Hi, and welcome to Nation State of Play. I'm your host, Brian Miller. On each episode of this podcast, we explore high-impact topics determining the future of our nation state. Our guest today is Jeff Rice with the Association of Personalized Learning Schools and Services, or A+. A+, is dedicated to advancing personalized learning for all our students in California. Jeff is currently focused on a pressing issue before the legislature relating to school funding in the age of COVID. I hope you'll listen to this important conversation. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate having you on the show today. Well, you're welcome, Brian. It's my honor to be here and I look forward to our discussion. Great, well, could you tell us a little bit about your organization and what you focus on? Yes, my organization is called A+. It's the Association of Personalized Learning Schools and Services. We are a very unique, one-of-a-kind association in the public education landscape in that our mission is to advocate for a personalized learning education delivery model. What is personalized learning? It is an education delivery model that is tailored to the needs of each and every student. So for those that understand special education, for example, an IEP, an individualized education plan. We uh, support schools and advocate for an individualized education plan or what we call a personalized learning plan for every single student that is enrolled in a school. And why is that important? Because so many students have very specialized needs because every child learns differently, because every child's uh, education journey is very unique and personal to them. And we're seeing uh, more and more instances of students struggling in a very rigid, one-size-fits-all classroom. And of course, the COVID crisis has only exacerbated that problem. So when we started this 20 years ago, this association, it was recognizing that there was a growing need, particularly in the 21st century, for students to have a more flexible, an adaptable education delivery model that could be tailored to their needs by providing choice and flexibility in how, what, when, where, and with whom every child learns. So that's the first part of our mission and vision, is to advocate and help bring awareness to and the recognition that that education that is more flexible and adaptable is absolutely critical in the 21st century education landscape. If, we're, if our goal really is to make sure that every child has an equal chance, an equal opportunity for success. The second part of our association is a membership association. So we provide schools that personalize learning with a wide variety of support services, which include consulting and professional development and networking, sharing of best practices, uh, helping them recognize what the issues are with regard to compliance with uh, laws and regulations and those kinds of things. And we currently work with more than 85 personalized learning public charter schools that are currently serving more than 75,000 K-12 students. So 75,000 K-12 students represents about 12% of the entire California charter school population and about one and a half percent of the more than six million students who are in the entire public education system. 
Great. So what makes the charter schools who are members of your organization different than the ones who are not? So we're not intended to be a charter school only membership association. It's simply, and if we want to talk about policy, it's that state policy has afforded greater flexibility to charter schools, not only through the Charter School Act, but also through uh, the independent study section of education law that enables students to be able to attend school without having to be seated in a classroom. That is key because the key to personalized learning is to be able to deliver education in multiple settings and in alternative settings to the classroom. While most of our personalized learning schools offer traditional on-site classes and different types of learning activities and programs at their facilities, they also, in addition to that, offer a significant amount of education delivery through online learning, through home-based education, through community-based learning, through project-based learning, through field trips and other kinds of exploratory discovery that a single student or a group of students can do together. That's what makes personalized learning work and be successful, is to be able to not only tailor learning to the needs of each individual student, to, but to provide education delivery in a flexible and adaptable manner that may be done through multiple and alternative settings. During the COVID crisis, for example, that blindsided all of us. And so most schools, because they don't deliver education in multiple settings or alternative settings, had to shut down. They could not respond to the external circumstance of having to close their facilities where for most public schools is the sole way of delivering education. For personalized learning charter schools, all we had to do was shift our on-site learning programs to the alternative settings, meaning that we could adapt to the changing climate, to the external circumstances that were thrust upon us without ever having to shut down our schools. So our schools were able to continue delivering education from the moment the COVID restrictions were announced all through the spring and all through the remainder of the 1920 uh, school year without missing a beat because we could simply shift through that adaptability, through that flexibility to alternative settings. That's what makes our schools unique. Really interesting description. Um, so one of the things that happened during COVID was this legislative funding formula issue and you've been really focused on that. So I wanna to talk to you about it. Can you explain what the California legislature did with this funding issue and the change that you're seeking? Yes, so the longstanding state policy for funding education is on a per pupil basis. The recognition that it is the children who are the ultimate beneficiaries of our public education system to prepare them for college and career after they graduate from high school. That pledge from the state has been a promise not only to the uh, 
more than 1,000 uh, traditional district-operated public schools, but the more than 1,000 uh, public charter schools as well. So that promise has been relied upon as schools close down a, a current school year and start preparing for the next school year. It happened during the COVID crisis that many of our schools had already enrolled thousands of students for the 2021 school year, had invested in infrastructure, in capacity building, in technology, uh, purchasing hotspots, purchasing Chromebooks, purchase, purchasing uh, other kinds of resources. They also hired teachers and other staff members that they made commitments to for the 2021 school year. We did a network survey very recently and found that prior to the signing of SB 98, which was the budget trailer bill, our schools had already enrolled more than 6,700 students across our network, uh, newly enrolled students, for whom now they are not going to receive any funding. So you do the math and given that we only had about two thirds of our schools respond, uh, we're, we're probably looking upwards of 70, 80, maybe even up to $100 million that our schools are footing the bill for, not getting paid for, but still making the commitment to serve those 6,700 plus students without receiving any funding. So what happened with SB 98 is due to the COVID crisis, they, the state legislature and the governor adopted a provision that they call a hold harmless provision, which guarantees funding for all public schools, both district operated and uh, public charter schools, at their February 29th uh, enrollment reporting date. So if after that a school is in declining enrollment, it is going to receive funding based on that February 29th funding level. So even if it's losing students, it's getting paid that same amount at, at the February 29th date. Unfortunately, the hold harmless provision had uh, perhaps unintended consequences that is causing harm to hundreds of district public schools that are growing and hundreds of public charter schools that are growing because while it's holding harmless those in declining enrollment, it's not providing funding for any newly enrolled students after that date uh, for growing public schools. So there's a huge chasm here of public schools in declining enrollment, um, protecting them at the expense of all growing public schools. Now in our network alone, we know uh, we, we have constant planned growth throughout the year because of the types of students we serve. We serve a high proportion of disadvantaged students, disadvantaged in many different ways. I won't go through the list of how they're disadvantaged. But it's funny, just in the San Diego Union Tribune today, there was an article that talked about San Diego Unified and the consequences of their school closures down there. 
And one of the quotes in that article acknowledged and revealed that school that students who are disadvantaged will be disproportionately harmed by school closures. Now, when they talk about school closures, they're talking about on-site schools. They're not talking about our kinds of schools that can provide education delivery in multiple settings. We serve a high proportion of disadvantaged students. If we're not receiving any funding for any newly enrolled students, it's a double whammy against students who are disproportionately being harmed because they're disadvantaged in one way or another. It undermines and pulls the rug out from under their right to public school choice. They cannot enroll in a different school for the 2021 school year because those schools, if they are growing in enrollment, will not be funded for those students. So imagine the double whammy on the, the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of students who are already disadvantaged in their current school, want to choose a different school because during the COVID crisis and in the aftermath of the COVID crisis, that school is positioned to better serve them, such as our personalized learning public charter schools that can provide education delivery in multiple and alternative settings. And they're not able to do so because the state has refused to provide funding. So it has departed from its long-standing, decades-long policy where funding follows each and every student to the public school of his or her choice. We see this as not only a social injustice because of every student's right to a good public education, but as an equity issue where certain students are being funded and even more so in schools with declining enrollment at the expense of other students who are receiving no funding to go to the school of their choice during and in the aftermath of the COVID crisis. What is our ask? To simply restore the full per pupil funding that has been in place for decades so that every student can be, can be fully and equally supported to choose the public school of his or her choice during and in the aftermath of the COVID crisis. There are tens of thousands of desperate, stressed out, anxiety-ridden families that uh, are feeling the negative consequences of this policy, abrupt 11th hour policy change that is really wreaking havoc on, on people's ability to find the school of their choice. So, so let's talk about the politics here, because the, the way you, you know, just described it, it should be fairly obvious to anyone that this provision was going to have that impact. What were the, first of all, who, who were the authors of, of this provision? Where did it come from? And what were they trying to accomplish? Well, they, they essentially set up a system of winners and losers. One legislator told me you can't have it both ways. In other words, you can't hold harmless the schools in declining enrollment and also fund new students to go to a growing public school. I disagree. I think we have to find a way to fully fund all students to attend the public school of their choice. And this blindsided the entire public education system. This provision came in the 11th hour 
in the final week of June through a, first it started in an assembly budget trailer bill, then was the same language was adopted in a Senate budget trailer bill, which ultimately was the one that won over, and then was signed by the governor literally within four or five days of, uh, of the time that the public actually had a chance to see it. Now, do you know who initially drafted it? Um, I, I can't remember who the authors were. It was uh, AB 77 and SB 98. Yeah, and I don't necessarily mean the bill authors, but you know, as, as we all know, who are sort of cynical and politics, nothing, nothing happens on its own. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in like, who was pushing for it? You know, who, who was the interest behind having that provision? Well, that's a mystery. Especially, I mean, we can we can speculate, we can guess. Obviously, we know the politics in California and who are the powerful special interest groups that shape policy, that influence legislators, and that pretty much control what goes on in public education in this state. That's likely where the initiators are. Well. Are, are any of those interests opposing your efforts now publicly? Has that, has that become more clear as, as you've raised the alarm bells about this? Well, I haven't seen any, any outright opposition to restoring full funding for all pupils. Uh, the only issue really is where's the money going to come from to be able to afford to do that? That's what's at issue because uh, unlike past dividing lines where it's typically district public schools against public charter schools, this is a new dividing line. This is public schools in declining enrollment right. versus public schools in growing enrollment. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that makes the politics so interesting because, you know, you could normally be able to point to a teacher's unions and say, oh, they yeah. may feel monolithically about something, but you can imagine like members of, you know, the same union in different districts feeling quite differently about this. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, you mentioned one conversation with, with a legislator. We won't ask who that is. We're, we're always respectful of that. Yeah, yeah. But, but, I'm, but is that the typical reaction you hear? I'm curious as to you know, what arguments you hear against what you're saying, because it just makes such good common sense the way you've laid it out. I'm curious as to what the arguments are that you hear in response. Well, basically the arguments are, it, it's a complicated issue because of the COVID crisis that uh, the, the budget trailer bills did not have time to go through a normal legislative process with public input. It happened within the span of four or five days, right up against the deadline, the statutory deadline for uh, passing the budget at the end of June, 1st of July. And that while there were many legislators who expressed concern about the lack of funding for newly enrolled students in growing public schools, uh, there was the typical pressure of having to get the budget signed by the deadline and then trying to deal with the issue thereafter. In the governor's signing message uh, for SB 98, he did thankfully say in that signing message, we recognize that this issue of not funding 
new students in growing public schools is a problem. And I will call upon the legislature when they return now in August to provide targeted solution to fix, solutions to fix the problem. He didn't get into detail about what targeted solutions mean. Um, but my hope is that targeted solutions does not mean there are winners and losers. This needs to be a win-win for everybody. We can't uh, benefit some students at the expense or on the backs of other students, particularly on the backs of students who are already disadvantaged and struggling to be successful in public education. We're just flat out asking that the, the state find a way, the legislature and the governor find a way through rainy day funds, through emergency funds. They are receiving more revenue than anticipated at the time that SB 98 was signed, but that the right thing to do for kids, the right thing to do for students, the right thing to do for the people of California is to restore full per pupil funding that follows each and every student to the public school of his or her choice. The legislature and the governor have to find a way to restore that. That's what we're asking for. So has the governor's office followed up at all in that signing statement? We've got just, just a few weeks left here in, in the session. Have you seen any movement from them? Uh, all we've heard right now are comments that yes, it needs to be taken care of. I think folks are, are waiting for someone in the legislature to carry that torch forward to introduce language and start the process. We have expressed serious urgency to all of the legislative representatives with whom we've spoken because the start of the 2021 school year is literally upon us. Some schools even started yesterday and parents are in limbo. Tens of thousands of, of students and families, parents, are in limbo, not knowing where they're going to be able to send their kids to school. Because I mentioned the 6,700 students we've already enrolled, within our network, we've had to waitlist. And, and waitlisting is not something our schools ever do. So this is an unprecedented response to not receiving funding for each and every student that enrolls in our schools. As a, as a, a consequence of that, our schools across our network have had to waitlist more than 24,000 students. 24,000. Wow. What does that mean? That means that 24,000 students and their families are in limbo and are suffering the anxiety and the stress. And, uh, and, the, and this is the typical word that parents use, desperation, that they're desperate to be able to find a school that will be a better match for their children. And couple that with the desperation and stress and anxiety they're feeling already with COVID. And it is a formula for serious mental challenges for a lot of folks in California. That's gotta be resolved. So there's only a few weeks left in the session, maybe a special session. I would expect at this point there's, there's going to be, but, but those are always confined to certain topics. Um, if the legislature doesn't get to this in time, is there any solution that you can imagine that the governor can take by himself or that school districts could conceivably take themselves that's a workaround or, or does SB 98 make that impossible? Right now, as far as I know, 
unless there is a fix in this summer session, SB 98 is going to, is going to be the, uh, the guide moving forward through the 2021 school year. Now, uh, there are a handful of charter schools that have filed a lawsuit challenging the, the governor, the legislature on this uh, provision and this policy that does not fund each and every student. So the challenge is one of equity. The challenge is one of not upholding each and every student's fundamental right to the public school of their choice. We're not a part of the lawsuit. We are, uh, we prefer at this point in time to try to negotiate with the legislature and the governor to do what's right for the people of California. And as I said, that is to fully restore per pupil funding. And uh, that's the right thing to do. We have also circulated a petition to call for uh, restoring full per pupil funding. As of today, we've got more than 15,000 signatures. Uh, I would have a feeling that if more people knew about what actually was going on, it would probably be 10 times that number. Uh, but not a lot of people realize what's happening and, and uh, what is being done to reduce their ability to, to the school of their choice through this policy. That needs to change. You know, I was going to ask you about the, the legal routes. I'm glad you brought that up. I understand you're not a part of the lawsuit, but um, is, is the idea behind the lawsuits, as far as you know, that this is a violation of the Equal Protection Clause? Is, is, that, is that what they're suggesting? There, as far as I know, and I haven't read the lawsuit cover to cover, but as far as I know, it's a violation of, of California Constitution yeah. that, uh, that guarantees um, free access to public school. It, may, it makes sense to me. I say that as a reformed, self-hating lawyer. Um, I'd also wonder just, just about, you know, the equal protection clause, which applies equally in California. If, you know, everybody's entitled to the same protections of the law. And sure. when you're talking about public schools, um, that's, that is uh, public law as, as much as anything. So this is a really important issue. Um, certainly want to thank you for all the work you're doing to try to Get some attention on this and, and try to try to fix it if people can want to get more involved in your organization sign the petition where can they go where can they find out more yeah the link to the, to the petition is on our a plus website the web address is www.theaplus.org theaplus.org Jeff, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate the time. Um, best of luck in your legislative efforts. I, I hope you will come back on the show and let us know how things work out this session and beyond. Thank you, Brian. It's been my honor to join you. Thanks for getting this message out. And let's keep our fingers crossed that the legislature and governor will do the right thing for the people of California and fully restore per-pupil funding for every student for the 2021 school year and beyond. Agreed. Well, Jeff, thanks again for being here. And you know, please go ahead. And if you've heard the show and you know somebody who's either got kids, particularly in growing school districts or growing schools, period, please go ahead and resend this out. And I hope you will be able to check out Jeff's website. So thanks again, Jeff. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for listening to Nation State of Play. Our producers are Hannah Miller and Jacqueline Artiaga. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. 
For more information, click through the link on your podcast app to our homepage.